The masked vendor file can be your best friend or your worst enemy when it comes to running an efficient and cost-effective, fraud-resistant, accounts-payable, and or payment process. Today, we're diving headfirst into treacherous waters, along with too many others, the folks that use common worst master vendor file practices. This is where the tiniest of errors or oversights can lead to a financial disaster where mistakes can facilitate fraud, where inefficiently silently bleeds resources that erodes profitability. We're going to look at five very common practices that don't protect an organization, but rather open the door to mistakes, duplicate payments, and works. Make sure you stick around until the end when we discuss the one practice that many use and they don't even realize it hurts, and it hurts in a very big way. Hey guys, I'm Mary Schaefer, founder of AP Now, the place where you go for the latest business intelligence if you work and manage or have responsibility for the accounts payable and or payment function. This session is brought to you by Oversight, AI, and Action. Worst practice number one, Letting your invoice processes set up new vendors. Now, this might seem like a way to make your accounts payable process more efficient because they get an invoice, there's no uh, vendor in the master vendor file, and they just look at the invoice and they set up the information. But it's a, not a good practice. In fact, it's a worse practice. Number one, it does not employ appropriate separation of duties. And by not employing appropriate separation of duties and allowing the invoice processor to not only process the invoice, but set the vendor up in the master vendor file, you are now facilitating fraud. Not in every single case. A lot of times it, it won't happen, but in a few instances. And of course, once your invoice processes know that they can do this, if they are so inclined, they may take advantage of it. Not only that, um, you're missing some other proper controls when you... Worst practice number two. Worst master vendor file practice number two. It's similar to the first one, but this is letting invoice processes change information on existing vendors in the master vendor file. So again, your processor is processing the invoices. Everything's going along fine. They get an invoice and they notice that there's a new address on it. So instead of now sending this information over to uh, somebody who handles the master vendor file and only handles the master vendor file and they validate it and they make sure it's a legitimate request, the processor goes in and makes the change himself or herself. The problem with this is that um, they can then realize that they can play games and the way this particular fraud works, if they're so inclined, and most of the time they're not, let me make that clear, is they can make the change, they can change the address to one so that a check, if they see a large check is going to be mailed, they can change the address to their address. Then once the check has gone out and received, they can change it back. Will that happen often? No, it won't happen often, but it, it, it you open the door for that possibility. Worst master vendor file practice number three, not cleansing the master vendor file of inactive suppliers. Uh, best practice organization will periodically, and by periodically I mean at least once a year, go through and deactivate any supplier who has not received a payment in the last 12 to 14 months. Now, we used to do this once every two years. Now we say once a year. And in fact, some best practice organizations will do it quarterly or even monthly. And that way it becomes part of their regular process and they are only doing a little bit at a time. Whereas if they wait for the uh, end of the year and they do it just once a year, then it becomes more of a big project and it's a special project rather than part of your processes and then 
it tends to get backburned when something more important comes up. And let's face it, there's always something more important, okay? So cleanse um, your mastodendron file on a regular basis, at least once a year, deactivating active uh, suppliers so that you don't inadvertently pay them. If they come back and you want to do business with them again, then you can go through your validation process and reactivate the vendor in the master vendor file. But it will also prevent people from making mistakes and paying somebody that they shouldn't, number one. And number two, leaving inactive vendors in the master vendor file can facilitate fraud for somebody who's looking to take advantage and they know how to, they know how to go in and play the game. And um, let's face it, if you have a weak control any place, but especially in the master vendor file, um, the person who is best able to take, take advantage of it is one of your employees. Okay, I'll stop ranting and raving about that. Worst practice number four, and hopefully none of you are doing this because when uh, somebody gets hit with this, it can cost millions of dollars. And that is not verifying any e email that comes in requesting a change of any sort to the account, not just the bank, change of bank account. You clearly, if there's a request for a change of bank account, you need to call up and verify that because as everybody listening to this hopefully knows, that's one of the latest frauds. And if you make the change to the wrong bank account, you send the money to the wrong place, um, that's on you. It's not on the supplier. But they can make other changes that will facilitate this type of thing. For example, a change of address if you're mailing a check. Okay, so when you get an re email requesting any change, make sure you verify it before you put that change through. Now, before we get to that last practice, one that so many employ without even realizing how harmful it is, I'd like to share a bit of information about our sponsor, Oversight. Oversight is AI in action. Oversight AI sees everything, ensuring process integrity by identifying mistakes, waste, and fraudulent activity in your accounts payable, your travel and entertainment, and your purchase card use. Go to oversight.com now to find out how. And we've got a link to it in the description uh, so you can, you can visit it and see what, what they're all about. Worst practice number five allowing one person in accounting or the accounts payable department to have access to everything. When you do this, you no longer have appropriate separation of duties. Um, oftentimes what will happen is I'll talk to a company and they'll show me their separation of duties um, schedule, their protocols for the their whole procure to pay process. And they'll have everything, they have it set up right. You know, no one person can do more than one part of the procure to pay chain. And then when they finish explaining this and showing this all to me, they'll say, oh, but we have uh, one exception. I said, What's that exception? And it's usually either the accounts payable manager or the controller. And that person has access to everything. And I'll say, well, why, you know, why, why do they have access to everything? And they say, well, this way they can jump in and help out if somebody's out or we're backlogged, especially at the end of the month. Um, and they can do training when we need, when we have a new employee and we want to train. And that those are reasonable answers, okay, but they do not um, take precedent, if you will, over the need to have appropriate separation of duties, okay, because 
um, when they have access to everything, then um, it's much easier for them if they're so inclined to commit a fraud. Not only that, there's another thing that many people don't think about. Um, if I am uh, uh, have a criminal intent, and uh, maybe I work for the company, maybe I don't, whatever, it doesn't matter. And I'm looking around and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to try, I want to defraud the company and what am I going to do? If I know that, you know, Jane or, or Jack has access to everything, then I'm going to try and get their credentials. Because if I get somebody else's credentials, I'll only be able to do one leg of the transaction. But if I have Jack's credentials, for example, who has access to everything, I'll be able to set, set the vendor up in the master vendor file. I'll be able to submit an invoice for payment. I'll be able to approve it because I theoretically have done a three-way match, which of course I couldn't have done because this is nothing to match it against. And I will have scheduled it for payment, maybe even issued the payment, possibly even uh, signed the check if the payment was being made by check. So as tempting as it might be to have that one accounting person or that one accounts payable person have access to everything, resist. Um, even though it might be a little bit more um, cumbersome, um, you want to resist. You can have a supervisor do the training, for example, if that's what's needed. Now, we don't normally think about master vendor file and fraud, except when I'm talking about it like this. But the reality is some of the worst practices do facilitate fraud. Sadly, they are not the only tactics related to the master vendor file that enables fraud. That's why we did a separate video on this issue, which you can watch right now using the link that has appeared on your YouTube screen and is in the description. As always, I appreciate your likes, your comments, your shares, and your subscribe.